Hi, Gary Zacharias with the Apologist Bookshelf. I want to tackle a pretty hefty volume here. It's called Hard Sayings of the Bible. Walter Kaiser Jr., K-A-I-S-E-R, and uh, Peter Davids, F.F. Bruce, and Manfred Brach are the uh, editors and authors of this. And um, what they want to do here is to explain, as they say, over 500 of the toughest Bible passages, and they're ranged from Genesis to Revelation, so it makes it pretty easy to find. A lot of cross-referencing that's valuable, uh, subject and scripture indexes, 12 introductory articles that cover several topics. Actually, that's what I wanted to focus on today. Here are the, the overall big picture questions, and then they go verse by verse for those that people struggle about. So here are the 12 introductory articles. How do we know who wrote the Bible? Can we believe in Bible miracles? Why does God seem so angry in the Old Testament and loving in the New? Why don't Bible genealogies always match up? Aren't many Old Testament numbers wrong? Do the dates of the Old Testament kings fit secular history? Does archaeology support Bible history? When the prophets say, The word of the Lord came to me, what do they mean? Are Old Testament prophecies really accurate? Why doesn't the New Testament always quote the Old Testament accurately? Are the New Testament accounts of demons true? Why are there four different Gospels? So those are excellent questions. Even if you don't read all of the hard sayings of the Bible, just that wonderful opening set of questions that they struggle with and then wrestle with makes it worthwhile, I think. Um, so they take verses, for example, let me just give you a couple of verses that they uh, wrestle with, and I'll come back. Maybe we can cover this in a future podcast. In Exodus 9.12, it says, The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. Does that seem fair? Does that seem right? That sounds like God is twisting this guy so he won't uh, relent and let the people go. Is God doing things like that? What about Matthew 5.22? Anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. That's Jesus talking. What about Ephesians 6.5? Slaves, obey your earthly masters. Really? So does the Bible condone slavery? Well, anyway, let me start off here as I'm looking at this book. And like I said, it's pretty hefty. So if you hear me going, Ugh, you know I'm trying to lift it. <laughs> but um, this book, it said, uh, it's, what they have is a hard sayings series. And a quarter million copies are in print. So what happened was back in the 80s, they first launched, uh, it was F.F. Bruce's The Hard Sayings of Jesus. And then they included hard sayings of the Old Testament, more hard sayings of the Old Testament, and then a separate edition of hard sayings of Paul, more hard sayings of the New Testament. So it got where it was all over the place. And so the, the edition I'm holding combines the five earlier versions with some new material. So they've added over 100 new verses. So this thing is really complete. I, I love it. A lot of good material here. And here's what they're saying about these difficult texts. This is in the preface. It says, uh, these verses may be hard for a couple of different reasons. First, they say, and I think this is very accurate, because you've got difficulties in culture and time, and it's kind of hard to explain them without knowing the background, knowing the social structure. But then they said, secondly, <laughs> are the verses that are too easily understood, but they challenge the way, ways that we think and act. Yeah, no kidding. So sometimes we say, oh, the Bible's too tough or it's too difficult. Well, it's because we don't like what it has to say. So they, they deal with that, but they deal especially in, in that first area of the differences in culture and time. So they said uh, 
they hope that they'll shine some light, especially on those. Okay, so there were those questions that I told you about that they deal with uh, some, some different issues. So I wanted to, uh, some questions they had before they got into the individual verses. So I want to take the one there about why does God seem so angry in the Old Testament and he's so loving in the New Testament? And that's what, I hear that a lot, and I bet you do too. Well, the Old Testament God is a God of wrath and judgment. I believe in the God of Jesus. In the New Testament, he's a God of love. Why is there a difference? And they indicate that the question has bothered Christians for a number of years. Even in the church father period, way back, Marcion pointed this problem out, and his idea was pretty nuts. He said there was a creator God of the Old Testament, but that was an inferior God to the God and Father of Jesus. So he went through the New Testament and got rid of anything that had to do with this Jewish Old Testament God. So guess what went out? Uh, Matthew, because <laughs> Matthew does a lot of referencing to the Old Testament. So he ends up with just the Gospel of Luke, and even that was shortened. And so the church said, no, 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 no. So they rejected Marcion. Well, what they're claiming in this book, and I think it's right, the reality is that there really isn't any difference between the images of God in the Old and New Testament. They reference the book of John. What does John say in John 1.18? No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. So John is saying that what you see in Jesus is the character of the Father, the God of the Old Testament. There's no difference. If you meet one, you meet them both. So Jesus is no more loving than his Father, and the Father is no more judging than Jesus. So what they've done in this short chapter here, by the way, these chapters are nice and short, but they they wrestle with some good issues. They said there are three points that they would like to bring up. Number one, I'm going to list the three, and I'm going to go through the three. So what is there about this Old Testament God and the New Testament God? Is there really a difference? Well, number one, there is love in the Old Testament. It's not a God of wrath. It's a God of love in the Old Testament as well. Number two, the flip side of that, there's judgment in the New Testament. Really? I thought it was a God of love. Isn't Jesus talking love all the time? Uh, No. Number three, the main difference is the difference between judgment within history and judgment at the end of history. Okay, so that one's a little trickier. So let's go through these three quickly, what they're talking about. So number one, there is love in the Old Testament. God is not only seen as a God of judgment. He's a God of love. Exodus 34, 6 to 7, God passes in front of Moses, and he says, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate, gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin, etc., etc. So that's how he presents himself to Moses. He talks first about his compassion, his grace, his love. And then he says that this shouldn't be taken advantage of. So throughout the Old Testament, God keeps telling people over and over again, I chose Israel out of love, not because they were so good that I just said, well, okay, I'll come alongside you. No. And when Israel would rebel against him, what did he do? He sent prophets. And he threatened and finally had to bring judgment. But even in the middle of the judgment and all, there are verses like Hosea 11.8. How can I give you up? God is a lover who is anguished at the rebellion and at the at the wantonness of his beloved. But justice, on the other hand, demands that he act in judgment. So his heart gets broken over his people 
and he really can't bear to see them hurting and destroyed. It's like he, as Hosea is demonstrating, it's like he's the husband of an adulterous wife. What he wants to do is to bring her back into his arms. But he wants a judgment that will turn her back to him so that he can restore his family. And it's not just Israel. In Jonah 4.2, Jonah prays, Oh, Lord, isn't this what I said when I was still at home? That's why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Can you just hear him? Jonah must have sounded kind of whiny at that point. I knew it. I just knew it, God. You're a good God. You're a kind God. And these people that ought to be destroyed, I'd wipe them out in a second. But you're not going to do it, are you? So Jonah is unhappy about God's grace toward Nineveh. He'd love to have seen him wiped out. But no, uh, he doesn't. And Jonah's uh, upset. You're too nice. You're too loving. So that's the way God is portrayed with a violent, terrible people. This is Assyria we're talking about. They were the scariest people in uh, these ancient days. Wow, the things they did. I won't even get into those now. So there are judgment passages, certainly in the Old Testament. But God was in the forgiveness business more so <laughs> than the judgment. But he can't forgive people who do not repent. They're rebels, and they continue to shake their fist at God. And so he has to bring them back, and he does that through judgment. What about the New Testament? Isn't Jesus a guy that comes along and talks about love and peace and kind of a new age guru. Well, the authors of this work said if you do a word count on just the word judge or judgment in the New Testament, in the NIV, it comes up 108 verses. Wow. And guess who did the one that warned the most about judgment? Was it Paul? No. Peter? Nope. John? No. Jesus? He's the one that warns the most about judgment. I mean, he said things like this in Matthew 5, 29 to 30. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. He's the one that spoke a lot of warnings there. He talked about judgment more than anybody else. Especially when you think about the book of Revelation. It says it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. So there, there's, there are different kinds of judgment. There's self-judgment, the judgment of God, judgments on individuals. There is a lot of judgment. I mean, there's, there's grace and there's love, as the authors point out, but grace and love can be rejected. And if so, there's final judgment that's coming. Well, there's a third section then. This is the third part of this uh, article. And that is there's a difference between the Testaments and how they portray judgment. So in the Old Testament... Judgment happens inside history. In other words, when Israel sins, when Israel sins, they're not told that they're going to go to hell. They just get beat around by the Midianites or the Assyrians. So there's all this judgment that goes on. So Israel is being judged and punished right then by these empires. It happens inside of history. It's not at the end of time. It's in our history books. Now, in the Old Testament, the idea of an afterlife was just kind of partially revealed and not a lot is spent on that. But by the New Testament time, God has revealed a lot more about the future life, the authors say. Now, the judgments in the New Testament are the judgments mostly related to the end of history and the resurrection of the dead. Either eternal life, being thrown into hell, seeing everything that you work for, being burned up, or receiving a crown of life. These are beyond history, as the authors say, when Christ returns. And so that's when history as we know it has come to an end. So 
How do they wrap up this chapter? Pretty simple. Does the Old Testament reveal a God of judgment and the New Testament a God of love? Really? Both of the Testaments, they say, reveal a God of love, who's also a God of justice. God offers men and women love and forgiveness, no doubt about it, throughout the entire Bible. But at the same time, urging us to repent. We're rebels. We need to lay down our weapons. We need to surrender to escape the terrible and eternal judgments coming at the end of history. So, once again, the book is called The Hard Sayings of the Bible. I recommend it highly. Good good book if you've wrestled with some verses that you uh, wonder, how in the world does this make any sense? So, I'll come back to this in a future podcast. I want to talk about some of those particular verses, but I did like their opening articles that they have in this as well. Well, thanks for listening, and uh, let's do another podcast soon.